Welcome to Hallowed, Exploring the Lives of the Saints. Episode 34, Mother Teresa. I'm your host, Tom Thorne, and in this podcast, I'll be taking you on a journey through the lives, adventures, trials, and triumphs of the great heroes of the Christian faith. Today, we'll be talking about a saint known and loved by billions around the world. Not just by Catholics, not just by Christians, but by virtually everyone who's heard of her. And yet, the life of this saint holds many surprises for those who only know her from the news. I'm referring to St. Teresa of Calcutta, better known to the world as Mother Teresa. Long before she came to the public eye, Mother Teresa was born on the 26th of August, 1910, in the town of Skopje, which is now the capital of North Macedonia, but was then a provincial town in the Balkans, belonging to the Ottoman Turkish Empire. She was not born Teresa, but rather Agnes, Agnes Gonja Boyaju part of the Albanian Catholic minority in the Muslim-dominated Ottoman Empire. As a young girl, Agnes would have lived through crisis after crisis. The First World War broke out when she was just four years old, due, as everyone knows, to an assassination in the Balkans. After the war, the old order of the Balkans collapsed as the Ottoman Empire fell apart and was carved up, into a series of deeply divided states. All the same, at the age of 12, Agnes felt a call to the religious life, and when she turned 18, she left home to join an order of Irish missionary nuns known as the Sisters of Loreto. The Sisters of Loreto were famous for their work in India, and so, in 1931, when she was just 21 years old, Agnes traveled to India with the order and took her vows under the name by which we know her today, Teresa. Teresa became a teacher at St. Mary's Convent School in Calcutta and remained there for the next 17 years. But despite all of the good that she was clearly doing for her students, Teresa felt called to do even more for those who needed it. Whenever she ventured outside the walls of the convent school and saw the abject poverty of the poor in Calcutta, she felt a call growing in her hearts ever more strongly to serve the poorest of the poor directly in the slums, living among them, sharing their hardships. It's a calling that I think very few of us can deeply and genuinely understand. And yet it was what Teresa herself felt that she was being asked to do by our Lord. And so, in 1948, when she was in her late thirties, Teresa asked her superiors if she could leave the convent school and begin her own mission in the slums of Calcutta. This was where her most famous work began, sharing the suffering of the very poorest 
living in pain and squalor with them. Eating their meals and wearing only her simple white and blue sari and sandals. Giving up not just luxuries, but many of the basic human comforts and conveniences. But even though she was beginning a new mission, Teresa's time in the school had not been in vain. When she moved to the slums, she started a new school there, for children who could not afford any other education. Initially, she taught them outside, with no roof over her head. But soon, her mission attracted donations, and she received enough funds to allow her to secure a building. Humble, simple, but a building with a roof over its head, for her work. On the 7th of October, 1950, Pope Pius XII himself approved her request to start a new order devoted solely to serving the forgotten poor alongside them. This order would come to be called the Missionaries of Charity. It would expand rapidly over the following decades as Teresa's fame grew, as Mother Teresa became an international icon. And in 1965, the order gained the approval of Pope Paul VI and began gathering both brothers and sisters worldwide, as it does to this day. But back in Calcutta, Mother Teresa cared for the sick and the dying, the hungry and the unwashed. She would start each day with communion, and always worked with a rosary on hand. Whether she was working with Catholics, Hindus, Muslims, or anyone else in need of help. As I mentioned a moment ago, her work very quickly earned her a great deal of fame. Fame which she neither sought nor desired. Teresa's main wish was to stay hidden, not wanting to be seen by the world, not wanting to be known, certainly not wanting to become the icon of charity which she has become in so many people's eyes. But she became famous all the same, thanks to media reports and accolades that began bringing her work into the view of the public. And so, as she grew older, she began to use her growing fame to defend the faith and to promote a culture of peace and respect for human life around the world, both within the Catholic Church and beyond. It was her steadfast defense of Catholic beliefs, especially on increasingly controversial subjects like abortion and euthanasia, to which she was, of course, strongly opposed. It was her defense of these sorts of teachings which would eventually attract her criticism from prominent atheists toward the end of her life. Most famously, of course, from the late Christopher Hitchens. And because these atheist criticisms of Mother Teresa have become so infamous over the last few decades, I feel like I ought to address them before we move on with her story. In 1995, only two years before Mother Teresa's death, Hitchens wrote a scathing book about her, in which he claimed to unmask the sinister truth behind the saintly image of Mother Teresa which everyone has come to know and love. So, what do Hitchens' criticisms amount to? Put briefly, they fall into two categories. 
First, he attacks her for accepting donations from some unsavory characters. And second, he calls her a sadist, claiming that she worked with the poor not because she wanted to ease their suffering, but because she enjoyed their suffering. So, let's take a look at each in turn, and see how well it holds up. On the question of accepting money from shady characters, Hitchens at least gets his facts right. Mother Teresa and her missionaries of charity did accept donations from some fairly nefarious characters. These included the Duvalier dictators of Haiti, and the notorious fraudster Charles Keating, known for his role in the savings and loan crisis of the late 80s and early 90s. Whatever we may think of these characters, from Mother Teresa's point of view, these were donations like any other. More money flowing into the charity meant that more desperate people could be fed and comforted and cared for, regardless of where the money ultimately came from. But it does raise an interesting moral question, a question with which Christians have grappled for many centuries. Can we use the fruits of evil for good ends? The traditional Christian answer, maintained by saints like Aquinas and the overwhelming tradition of the Catholic Church, has been to say yes. While the good uses to which money may be put do not wash away the bad sources that the money came from, the good deeds do stand on their own morally. In this case, it doesn't follow that just because the Duvalier family, for example, acquired their wealth through a corrupt and brutal dictatorship, it doesn't follow from that that they should never be allowed to use that money for good ends. I mean, what would you want them to use the money for? Buying themselves a new swimming pool? And when you think more deeply about what's being said by critics like Hitchens, I think this criticism really starts to fall apart. Are Hitchens and company really saying that it's a bad thing that Mother Teresa had enough funds to look after the poor? I don't think that makes any sense. Refusing a donation because you don't approve of the donor is a case of moral grandstanding. And as smug as it might make one feel, moral grandstanding does not put food in hungry bellies. Personally, I find it hard to see how Mother Teresa went wrong in accepting these donations. She did not use the money to support the interests of her donors like some kind of politician, she used the money to help people who were desperately in need of help. And for that, I think she deserves to be commended. Hitchens' second point on the alleged sadism of Mother Teresa has even less substance behind it. It's largely based on a misunderstanding. Whether genuine or willful on Hitchens' parts, I'll leave to your judgments. But a misunderstanding all the same of traditional Catholic teaching that we should offer up our suffering to God so that he can make some good out of it. You can find plenty of cherry-picked quotes from Mother Teresa to that effect. She was, after all, a Catholic, and she shared the universal Catholic belief, indeed, I would say universal Christian belief, that suffering is not pointless, 
even when it seems to be. That God allows us to go through hardship, whether that's poverty, sickness, death, you name it, as a trial to help us become ever more holy. If you're not a Christian, you may or may not agree with that point of view. But it is all the same the age-old Christian answer to the universal human problem of suffering. In her efforts to care for the poor, Mother Teresa certainly did not add to their suffering or encourage them to suffer with no assistance. She took enormous pain and suffering onto herself, even more so than most people realize. But she took no pleasure in the suffering of others, and did all she could to alleviate their pain. It was for this selfless devotion to assisting those most in need that Mother Teresa became so justly famous, and why she rightly was awarded a great many honors throughout her life including, most famously, the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979, but also the Pope John Paul XXIII Peace Prize, the Nehru Prize in India, the Balzan Prize, the Magsaysay Award from the Philippines, often called the Nobel Prize of Asia, and many others. These were not just empty accolades. They were recognitions from institutions and governments around the world that Mother Teresa really was what she appeared to be, a woman of almost unimaginable charity, who gave all she had to look after those who needed it most. Can the same really be said of her critics, or of any of us, when we look in the mirror? But underneath it all, underneath the worldwide fame of the smiling saints, there was another Teresa, unknown both to her critics and supporters during her lifetime, not revealed until after her death with the publication of her private writings. In Teresa's private writings, we see an altogether different side of her. A darker side, yes, a more pained and troubled side, Absolutely. But a side which only adds, in the most profound way, to her sanctity. What we've learned from Mother Teresa's private writings, published after her death, is that for the last fifty years of her life, that is, almost the entire length of her mission in the slums of Calcutta, Mother Teresa struggled to feel God's love. She felt, for most of her adult life, that she had hardly any living relationship with God. When she prayed, when she went to Mass, even when she received Holy Eucharist, she felt nothing. She heard only silence. She did not have an intense, direct connection with God in the way that many expect a saint to have. She didn't even enjoy the warm feelings of comfort and hope and reassurance that many ordinary Christians experience at church and in prayer. 
She simply felt nothing. And God was silence. It had not always been so. In her younger years, she had felt a very strong relationship with Christ, actually hearing the words of our Lord himself, calling her into that life of radical poverty that she had begun back in 1948. But almost as soon as she started that mission, the voice of Christ fell silence and Teresa ceased to feel any connection with God beyond her belief in his existence. With one brief exception, a few weeks in the year 1959, Teresa's soul felt like a spiritual desert. She could not perceive God's love for her on a personal, emotional, experiential level. Remarkably, this never caused her to lose faith. But her faith became purely one of belief and behavior, rather than personal feeling. I'd like to read you some excerpts from Teresa's private writings that illustrate what I'm trying to say. There is a depth of darkness, a depth of pain, and separation from God that's, honestly, I find more moving than anything else I've ever read in the life of a saint. And I can certainly do no better than to read you Teresa's own words. Perhaps, if you yourself ever go through a period of feeling cut off from God, unloved and unwanted by God, Perhaps Teresa's words can bring you some comforts, can bring you at least the reminder that a great saint has suffered with you and come out as saints all the same. In a 1979 letter to her spiritual director, the Reverend Michael Vanderpeets, Mother Teresa wrote, quote, Jesus has a very special love for you. But as for me, the silence and the emptiness is so great that I look and do not see, listen and do not hear. She describes this silence as a dryness, a darkness, a loneliness, a torture. Why? she asked in another letter. Is there so much pain and darkness in my soul? When she confessed these difficulties to a priest, she was encouraged to write down her feelings in the form of a letter addressed to Christ himself. Quotes, Lord, my God, who am I that you should forsake me, the child of your love, and now become as the most hated one? the one you have thrown away as unwanted, unloved. I call, I cling, I want, and there is no one to answer, no one on whom I can cling, no, no one, alone. Where is my faith? Even deep down, right in there, is nothing but emptiness and darkness. 
My God, how painful is this unknown pain. I have no faith. I dare not utter the words and thoughts that crowd in my hearts and make me suffer untold agony. So many unanswered questions live within me, afraid to uncover them, because of the blasphemy. If there be God, please forgive me. When I try to raise my thoughts to heaven, there is such convicting emptiness that those very thoughts return like sharp knives and hurt my soul. I am told God loves me. And yet, the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. Did I make a mistake in surrendering blindly to the call of the Sacred Heart? Elsewhere, she wrote, The more I want him, that is, Christ, the less I am wanted. Such deep longing for God, and repulsed, empty, no faith, no love, no zeal. The saving of souls holds no attraction. Heaven means nothing. Pray for me, please, that I keep smiling at him, in spite of everything. Thankfully, in the final few decades of her life, from the 1960s onward, Teresa did begin to find ways to accept these difficult thoughts and feelings, even if she could never make them go away. This was achieved largely through the help of a Jesuit spiritual director, Reverend Josef Neuner, who helped her, in time, to understand that her spiritual darkness was not her fault. That Christ was present, even in his silence. And that the very fact that she was seeking him was a, quote, sure sign of his hidden presence. In a 1961 letter to Neuner, Mother Teresa wrote, quote, I can't express in words the gratitude I owe you for your kindness to me. For the first time in years, I have come to love the darkness. For I believe now that it is parts of a very, very small parts of Jesus' darkness and pain on earth. You have taught me to accept it as a spiritual side of your work, as you wrote. Today, really, I felt a deep joy that Jesus can't go any more through the agony, but that he wants to go through it in me. End quote. To be honest, these are the most impactful writings I've ever come across from a saint. No work of theology or poetry can really come close in my eyes to the simple, heartfelt expression of pain coming from Mother Teresa. To know that she did the work she did, day in and day out, for nearly 50 years, all while feeling almost nothing from God, while believing that she would be damned, while feeling unloved and unwanted by him, and seeing no signs of his presence in her life, that surpasses the holiness of any saints I've ever come across, short of the mother of God. I really don't know what to say, except that 
the real Mother Teresa, the Mother Teresa who deliberately kept herself from the eyes of the world, is a far greater saint than the one we all know. Mother Teresa was beatified by St. John Paul II in 2003 and canonized by Pope Francis in 2016. She is commemorated on the 5th of September, the day of her death, in the Catholic Church. She is the patron, of course, of the Missionaries of Charity, the Archdiocese of Calcutta, and World Youth Day. But there are many other causes which I think ought to fall under her care. All those who serve the hopeless, and all who feel hopeless themselves. For Mother Teresa truly, deeply, intimately understood both. As always, if you'd like to deepen your devotion to St. Teresa of Calcutta, then I've included links to prayers and other resources in the show notes, including those quotations from her own private writings and from the stories of people who knew her in life. If you'd like to support the show, you'll also find links to our Patreon and to my email address, where you can suggest future episodes. May St. Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa, come to our aid, now and always, for the greater glory of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening, and God bless.